Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites, Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. So do you know that there are so many recalls on vehicles that we never deal with? Things that could be actual serious safety defects that could cost you or a loved one his or her life and we either don't know about it or don't get around to it. So I saw an item in the Detroit Free Press that of the vehicles on the road, get this, this is a shocking number, 53 million vehicles were recalled last year. I mean, that's unbelievable, 53 million. And... Some of these things are piddly. Others are life and death kind of things. And we just don't seem to, with all the noise of our lives, we don't seem to know a lot of times that there is a situation involving one of our vehicles. And it goes blissfully unrepaired till ignorance is no longer bliss and it ends up hurting somebody or worse. So I got two messages for you. One, I want you to know about defects in a vehicle you have, and it's really easy for you to know because the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, which is the federal agency that oversees vehicle safety, has a new smartphone app. It's totally free. You can download it to your iPhone or Android. The app is called Safer Car, S-A-F-E-R, Car. So when you download the Safer Car app, the initial setup takes you a couple of minutes because you then have to enter the vehicle identification number, the VIN for your vehicle. And once you do it, they will give you notifications of whatever problems they're aware of with your vehicle and it makes you aware and then awareness is really important because then you can go ahead and contact the the dealer for your brand make an appointment and arrange to get that recall taken care of again some recalls are not safety related but many others or safety-related, may be very serious, like involving steering, braking, things like that. And, uh, you know, I have a relative who has a minivan who got one recently that the middle seats 
have a bracket problem in an accident, the seats of the van can go flying. Obviously, that's something important, and you want to get it taken care of. What if you didn't know? So again, the app, Safer Cars for both iPhones and Androids, download it, Safer Car, put in your VIN, you're good to go. Hank is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Hank. How are you? Hey, Clark. Good to hear from you again. Well, great to have you here. And you want to talk about a very confusing notice you've received from one of the big banks, right? Yeah. An email that uh, essentially, if you ever get around to reading it all, as hard as that is, it, it tells you that they're going to force you out of any the right to sue them over any dispute and force you into arbitration. All right. So most of the financial industry and taking away any legal access that people have if your bank or other financial organization has cheated you. And so uh, this is one of those things that nobody's really going to do what you did. You really have sat down and read the letter? I got into part of it and wasn't able to follow it, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, What it says is that unless you tell us otherwise... We're going to take away your rights under the Constitution to access to the U.S. court system or state court system. Yeah. And so you have to send them a letter like the old days, <laughs> like yeah. one that you put a stamp on. And I, and I must admit, embarrassment again, I have no idea what a U.S. stamp costs these days. Uh, it costs one anything, one forever. That's what it is, one forever. Oh, yeah, I have forever stamps, so I have no idea what they cost if you have to buy <laughs> one today. But you have to uh, address an envelope, put a note in it, put a stamp on it, and send it in to preserve your rights to have access to the courts. And mm-hmm. so okay. nobody's going to do that except maybe a few hundred or a few thousand people, even though they're such a huge financial organization yeah yeah and it, it seems to me a setup to uh shut my mouth well i mean the whole idea is they're they're just taking advantage of the fact that the supreme court ruled five to four that financial institutions are free to impose these arbitrations on consumers and the, the horrible thing is the mm-hmm. banks choose the arbitrators and they win just a hair under a hundred percent of the time in these arbitrations because the arbitrators only keep working if they find for the banks. So it's a terrible, terrible system. The thing that I would say most consumers aren't really focused on this because most people never end up in a situation where they want to sue their bank. So with all the busyness in their lives, they're not going to mail this in. But if you want to do it, Hank, we have have the form letter, sample the form letter on Clark.com, for you to mail that in and let know that you want to maintain your rights to the courts. Deborah's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Deborah. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I have a couple of questions about credit cards. So the first question is that you've mentioned that it's a good idea to use your cards to some you know regularity. And I wondered if that applies to store and specialty cards like i have a furniture store card do i need to keep using those no if you if it's a store card 
unless it's got a Visa or MasterCard logo on it, I don't care about that store card at all, and you don't need to diligently use that card. Okay. okay store great. cards are considered in the credit industry to be junk cards. They're not okay. really considered to be really respected. And when people are evaluating you for credit, they're really looking at Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express. Oh, okay. Okay. So then the other question is, I know that you recommended you have two major cards, and somehow over the years I've managed to accumulate five of them in a not not very thoughtful way. I don't even know how I got a few of them. Nobody, you know, I mean, you ask most people. And if yeah. they've had cards for a period of time, they don't have any idea why they have the cards they right. have. Right, <laughs> exactly. But now I'm getting a little more savvy, and I would like to open a card where I get international travel points. But is that crazy? Because I have already five major credit cards. No, that's not a problem at all. So oh, okay. the, the thing, if you're going to get a new travel card, the reward point wars are not as good as they were, but they're still important to pay attention to, where when you first apply for a card, you want to try to get enough points that it equates to like two free tickets in return for signing up for that card. Okay. Is there a time of year that those wars tend to... No, it's just they come and go over time, and the airlines, the airline cards are not as generous as they were, and the independent cards are not as generous as they were for a while. And it's because the whole war was set off by Chase with the fancy Sapphire card that had the giant $450 annual fee and was giving these huge bonuses. And Mm -hmm. everybody was afraid of Chase because they're such a big player. So everybody started rolling out all these big bonuses, and then Chase lost hundreds of millions of dollars on that. And so everybody was like, oh, we don't want to lose money. They didn't want to lose money. So the rewards basically got cut in half following that. So I've uh. got a couple of articles for you on Clark.com how to pick one of those independent travel reward cards. Okay. And to get the ones with the best bonuses. And there are different benefits to different ones. See what looks like it fits you the most because there's not one card that's the best for everybody. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, John. Hi, how are you? Good to talk to you live. Well, great to have you here, John. And you have a question for me about the great state of Texas. I do. I invested in uh, 529 when my grandson, first grandson was born. He's now six and I have a five as well. And my question is, is it's done really well for me, but the Texas plan is not what one of those that you would normally have recommended, and I wanted to see A about that, but more importantly, do I need a separate one for the second grandson? I know that the funds are available to siblings and relatives and so forth, but I didn't know if uh, yeah, you should, if that was you a good should idea. Not, you should not diss the second grandson by not having <laughs> the second grandson having his own account. So, okay. yeah, so what you do is you... You kind of figure out how much money you can afford to give each grandchild, and you put the money in each of theirs. But Texas's 529 plan is, to me, an embarrassment that one of the largest population states in the country doesn't have a low-cost 529 plan 
is really silly. And I don't know the background about why Texas has such a rotten, terrible 529 plan. And the reason it's rotten, terrible is the fees on it are exceedingly high. And a state with the population Texas has should be able to drive a really hard bargain with the financial houses to be able to put the the 529 business out for bid and have a really low-cost plan. So what I would recommend to you is that you move the older grandchild's account to one of the really low-cost states and then open the one for the second grandchild in one of the really low-cost states. And I've got a, if you've seen, I've got my dean's list of the really low-cost plans, and there are about, I think, 11 of those. And just pick whichever one seems good to you and move that money out of Texas. It can be used for any eligible college expense at any college anywhere in the country, including in Texas. No, that's uh, that was my intention all along, and then when I saw this up, and you may remember there was another program in Texas before that didn't end up working out, which was a very good plan, I think. That was the, the prepaid tuition ago. plan yeah. that Texas yeah, which, found was much more expensive for it yeah. than it thought it would be, and so they closed enrollment to that plan, and they don't let people in it anymore, and so what you're left with is this afterthought, pitiful 529 plan and uh texas you know you you say don't mess with texas in this case don't mess with texans fix this when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Ashley is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ashley. Hi, how are you today? Great. How can I serve you, Ashley? Okay, well, my mother passed away last year. and Oh, I'm left, sorry. Thank you very much. She left my 17-year-old um, $40,000 in her IRA account. We're kind of at a loss what to do with the money. We don't want to just, of course, hand over $40,000 to a 17-year-old. We want him to save it for college. He, of course, has one more year left in high school. We just don't know what to do with the money in the meantime, where it could go maybe to make any more money, what our options are. Okay, so uh, again, I'm sorry about the loss you've suffered. Thank you. There are specific rules on inherited IRAs. Okay. And as to when your child has to take money from it. And so this is a, um, a very different thing than normally with an IRA. Has anybody at the, um, at, is it a brokerage house, mutual fund company? What kind of place is it where yeah. this IRA was? I don't know what you would call it. Um, uh, go ahead and name them. It, it, I'll, I'll just, I mean, they, they haven't done anything here other than they have the money. So who is it? Right. It's, it's Merrill Lynch. All right. Now, that's an ultra-high-cost place to have an right. IRA. Um, with those ultra-high costs, hopefully they have thoroughly explained to you how the rules work on an inherited IRA. 
Not particularly. They've just had me sign some papers to get his name on it or to get our names on it. Okay, so there there are distributions. There's a distribution process that has to take place, and okay. uh, there will be no tax due at the time of transfer, but there will be withdrawals that have to take place. Okay. And so they need to, they should be all over explaining this to you. I want you to uh, go back to them and have them thoroughly explain the what's known as the non-spouse inheritance rule so that okay. you know you're fully complying with the law because otherwise the IRS charges massive penalties if an inherited IRA is not handled exactly as the law requires. Oh, okay. And in addition to calling them, I would go, I know this is going to be a little bit of a chore, I want you to go read the IRS regulations on inherited IRAs so that you know exactly what questions to ask if the person you're talking to at Merrill Lynch seems clueless. Okay. And um, the money is you have to take withdrawals. You can just reinvest it for your teenager and you don't even have to tell them it's there. Right. I mean, it's one of those cases where it's information that would be harmful to them, not helpful to them to have. Right, because he would go spend it on some fancy car. You got it. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you being empowered with knowledge so you can keep more of what you have. Our websites, they're clark.com and clarkdeals.com. And Clark Deals is all about you learning ways to stretch every dollar. And something that is very important in a time that with a recession, we've had 50 million of our fellow Americans at one time or another unemployed this year. We still have very high unemployment in the United States. This is a rough time that we're in economically for so many Americans. The K recovery I've talked about, the K, the upper part of the K people doing just fine, the lower part people that are really, really suffering. Well, people who are trying to stretch dollars have been shopping not online, but very heavily in certain physical stores. You know the story about how well Target and Walmart and Amazon are doing, but what you don't hear about, because financial analysts really don't care and it's not part of their lives, is how incredibly well Dollar General and Family Dollar are doing. Uh, do you know in Dollar General's latest numbers, sales are up in the last three months by roughly 20%, to 0%. Family dollar not up quite as much, but why are these places people turn to when we have very high unemployment? Right now, over 10% stated unemployment. You go to U6, it's probably around 17%. U6 includes people who've given up looking for work, uh, people who are underemployed, working part-time, who don't want to be, that kind of thing. So we got a lot of people in America suffering right now, looking to stretch every dollar. Family dollar, by the way, sales up 12% because people are finding what they're looking for. They're looking 
score lower prices on the goods they need, on the tight budgets they have. And so this is where people are turning to. You know, we hear about the shoppers at Walmart, but there's not a Wall Street analyst who's ever set foot in a Dollar General or Family Dollar, both of which I shop at because they are very, very low cost. And for many people whose dollar is really stretched right now, one of the things that do- that Dollar General and Family Dollar do is they sell things in smaller quantities for people who maybe can't afford a big pack of paper towels or toilet paper or whatever. I mean, Dollar Tree, which owns Family Dollar, same kind of idea is people buying a basket full of things, knowing what they're paying for each item is a dollar. If you are someone who really, really is suffering financially and every dollar is precious, I know there are people who turn their noses up at people who shop at Dollar Tree or Dollar General or Family Dollar. Let them turn their nose up. Don't worry about that. Know that you are getting more value out of each dollar shopping at these stores than you would other places. And I think that's a key thing is that for you to do everything you can to have as much comfort in your life as you can with the funds that may be reduced from what you normally have. And the number of Dollar General stores in the United States, it's unreal how many they have now in the country. I think they're closing in on close to 20,000 locations. And it's for the simple reason that people are finding value when they go shop at these places. So you know what? If for you, it's not a valid choice, you don't have to go to any of these. But if it's something that will help you get through the month with the money you have, go for it. Dave is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely, Dave. You are in a great situation because you have debt, but you also have money. Yes. What's the story exactly? Well, I've got about 70000 left on my mortgage, and I have about 90000 in my savings. And my monthly payments are about $1,200, and that's including my, the interest and escrow. I got about five years left on that, and I'm wanting to retire in a couple of years. So, should I pay it off now, pay some of it, or just let it ride? So, if you wipe out all but twenty thousand in your savings, what kind of cushion in terms of months of living expenses? Figuring I, I at have, that point I you have, have no mortgage, what kind of how many months could you ride on twenty grand if you suddenly had no income coming in? I, I have other means. I have 401ks and, and laggers coming in, so I'm not too worried about that. Oh, then blow out the mortgage. Okay. Because even okay. if you're at a very low mortgage interest rate, it's yeah, I'm about three and a quarter. Which is such a great rate, and normally I would say, yeah, you don't want to rush to pay that off. 
you're earning uh, less than that on your savings. Right. And so it just seems to make sense. The savings that you're having to pay tax on, the earnings right. it has, and the mortgage interest at the level you have, you're probably taking the standard deduction. You're getting no tax benefit from paying interest on the loan. So I would have that mortgage burning party and pay that thing off. You'll have to pay them at the lender for a payoff letter, which is a uh-huh. ripoff fee when you get rid of a mortgage. Pay them their ripoff fee and be done with that loan. Okay. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking, too, and the wife and I was thinking that. So just wanted to hear it from you. Uh, like I said, I listen to you in the mornings while I'm driving to work, and we just want to get another opinion. Well, it'll feel great, and then the best part is every month, a certain amount of that 1200 is has been going to um, taxes and insurance, as you said, escrowing. Yes. So you won't save all that 1200 but you certainly could probably save maybe – what, $1,000 a month starts to replenish the savings. And the thing I would consider doing with that is I would consider doing a Roth IRA for each of you okay, and build up some Roth money, which is tax-free money you'll be able to use well down the road in retirement. And so it builds up another reserve of money for you that all the earnings you'll have over the years, even in retirement, will be tax-free. Okay, so taking the the money I would be using for a payment and and create a Roth for each each of us. Exactly. And do it with one of the low-cost companies that I've got on my investment guide. Right. And then just slap that money in the Roth, and it makes the money so productive for you as you look through the years ahead, and you've got something that's now a tax-free source of funds that's totally flexible for when you might need it. Tanya is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi. Hi. Tanya, you've got a hassle with a medical debt you want to run by me. Yes. Um, I had a surgery in 2013. and How are you doing um, now? Much, much better. Much Great. better. Great. Um, but unfortunately, uh, I had some circumstances that kind of messed up my finances some, and I those that debt went into collections. And while I was working on getting everything else caught up and fixed, that one kind of just sat there for a while. Um, And then it got sold to another creditor and placed on my, uh, on my credit file and then got sold to another one after that. So it's, it's showing up multiple times, but it's the same debt. And every time that it does this, it's showing a new date. So like one says 2017, one says 2018 and then there's this 2019. So how do I get rid of those duplicates? Because I've disputed it, but it is a valid debt, but it's not a valid debt three times. Right. So the debt you said was 2013? Yes, sir. What state did you live in at the time you had the surgery? Kentucky. All right. So in Kentucky, I just pulled up the statute. They can no longer sue you against that debt after five years. So if it was 2013 debt, they can hassle you about it forever, but they can only sue you against it four or five years. And a very important thing, and I don't know if this applies in Kentucky, but in most states, if you pay anything against it to the collector, then it can start the clock all over again 
on the five years. So you actually can't make any payments on it without potential harm to you being sued. As to your knowledge, you've never been sued on this debt? No, I haven't. Okay. So the date that matters is when the debt went bad. No one can. It doesn't mean that dishonest collection agencies wouldn't sue you against the debt, but legally they're not supposed to what's known as time-barred debt. So the collection agencies, you don't have to talk to. You don't have to communicate with them. In fact, if they do contact you, you can send them what's known as a drop dead letter, tells them not to contact you further. Okay. The debt hits seven years, and it can't even appear on your credit report anymore. And if anybody has it on there, like you were talking about the dates that these new collection agencies were putting, you challenge mm-hmm. that on your credit report, and you challenge it based on aging. And you okay. also send a letter to the collection agency saying that if they don't remove the item, that you will sue them under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. I have the information what you should say to them on Clark.com. Now, if okay. your finances ever improve and you want to make good to the hospital, do it as a donation to the hospital unrelated to this bill. Okay. Because, again, in, any payment against that bill makes the date start all over again. Okay. What about the fact that they're showing up multiple times? Can Yeah, so you challenge, like you challenge have... all of that because okay. that is an improper listing of a debt for the same debt to appear repeatedly. And remember this most important thing, time is your ally here. Um, what month was it, do you remember, in 2013 that you had the surgery? Yeah, it was December. That should never be on your report ever again. And okay. if it is, then you challenge that. Okay, thank you. And I'm glad you're mostly better. I wish you told me you had a totally clean bill of health from what they treated you for. I'm okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, best to you. Thank you. Certainly. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ernie is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ernie. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Ernie. So you were in an auto accident. Are you okay? Uh, Thank goodness. Uh, It's not me in a fender bender, and it's not really anybody that I know, but, you know, anytime you you see these occurrences as you're driving down the road, you'll see them, and they'll be out, and they'll be writing down things, and, 
that kind of thing, exchanging information, uh, insurance, you know, name, address, phone number, whatever, birthdays, who, who knows what. But how do you feel about that when you're in a just a minor fender bender? And, of course, I'm sure it really depends on if you're at fault or if they're at fault. But how do you feel about the exchanging of information and no police called on a, on a minor, just a minor incident. All right, that's a great question. By the way, I, I do have a friend who met her husband as someone she was in a wreck with. <laughs> they ended up okay going out and eventually got married. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's an unusual result of an accident, right? So <laughs> well, there there's um, the practical answer here and then the legal answer. And I'm going to give you the legal okay. answer as a non-lawyer. But I've heard this okay. enough from lawyers when I answer this on the air that I feel qualified to say that what I've heard over and over again from lawyers is no matter how minor a little fender bender is, you never know when somebody gets home and is watching bad television and then those ads come on for the lawyers who say, hey, you've been in an accident, you've just won the lottery, I'm going to get you a giant check! <laughs> and yeah. so somebody suddenly has all kinds of creative injuries from a low impact kind of event. So right. it that is the one unknown about how you handle it if you don't involve insurance and don't involve the police is when somebody gets real creative by saying they have soft tissue damage or whatever and they're going to be crippled for the rest of their lives and they need a million dollars from you and you haven't called your insurer, and so that is the curveball unknown. If something is clearly, obviously, so extremely minor, or especially if you, let's say, somebody backs into somebody in a parking lot, and they're not even in their vehicle, but an honest person stays behind, if you want to repair a vehicle yourself out of your own pocket in that case and not have a claim against insurance, when there's no possibility of bodily injury, that would be the slam dunk kind of category where you would just pay for it out of pocket if it's small enough. Okay. And how about when it's a little bit more than a fender bender and, you know, you see these cars and they'll be sitting out in the middle of traffic. How do you feel about moving a vehicle once it's been involved in an accident? So in most states now, you can get a violation if you don't move your vehicle off the road, if it's movable. Because the danger of the follow-on accident when traffic slows behind an accident is so great when the vehicles remain in the roadway that if it's safe to move the vehicles over, you should. Now, I am a huge believer in dash cams. You know what a dash cam is? Uh, Yes. So the dash cam I use now, I paid $32 for and it's really great. It came with an SD card, does a continual recording loop, and you can buy dash cams cheaper than that, but having a dash cam is so valuable in the event that somebody either claims that the impact was severe of an accident and you see it could not have been, or there's an issue where people are disagreeing on fault. The video is not foolproof, but it sure is helpful having it. And if you have a fancy car... You always want to have a dash cam because anybody who gets hit by a fancy car thinks that they did just win the lottery. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. 
Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.